I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is Julie Connor, author of The Baby with Three Families, Two Countries, and One Promise, an international adoption story. Families that have navigated their way through international adoption know that it's a complex process that takes time and involves multiple agencies, which can make it difficult to explain to children. Award-winning author Julie Connor adopted her son from Columbia when he was five months old and used her own experience to inform her new children's book. Using simple language and colorful illustrations by Salmon Chintaka Weir Asinye, she explains the process of international adoption in a child-centric but realistic way. Designed to be read by parents to a child adopted from a foreign country, the story traces the separate emotional journeys of the prospective adoptive parents from the United States and the biological mother from another country who makes the difficult decision to give up her baby for adoption. Connor spent 33 years as a diplomat in the U.S. Foreign Service, first with the U.S. Information Agency and later with the U.S. Department of State. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Julie. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm delighted to be here. You know, I think the first question I, I, I was wondering as uh, I, I'm reading the book and I'm, uh, how, what are we talking about in terms of numbers? How many children, I don't know if you have that statistic or not, but how many children are adopted from foreign countries, let's say on the average every year from the United States? I'm sorry, I don't really know that, that figure, but I can tell you it is substantial. Since I worked overseas in many embassies, I would see regularly the stream of parents coming through to secure their, the visa for their adopted children. So it is a substantial number. And let me just say that it's an issue that uh, prospective adoptive parents have to keep up with because things change from year to year. And by that, I mean the country from which the child is adopted may change what their policies are. They might be open to adoption some years, international adoption that is, and not open other years. So it's just something that you really have to research immediately when you're interested and figure out what country is a good fit for you. Yeah, I think that's really an important point because if you're talking about making perhaps the decision between adopting in the United States, if possible, and adopting in a foreign country, it is far more complex. So we're going to be talking about the complexity of doing it in a foreign country and also uh, talking about your book, obviously, that's written by parents to talk to children. Uh, so let, what, what do you think one of the major issues or if there is the major issues for a parent and or child uh, who are adopted from a foreign country as opposed to being adopted here in the United States? Well, let me just say I strongly believe that children should be informed from the earliest possible age that they are adopted. There shouldn't be any kind of secret that they stumble upon later in life. And having said that, they should also know the country from which they were adopted, if they're adopted internationally. And in the title of my book, I, the last thing in the is one, one Promise. In my case, I made a vow that my son would have the opportunity to visit and learn about his home country. And I was able to do that in a much grander way than most people are due to my job. 
But I think every adopting parent, and wherever they are, can make an effort in this respect. Maybe not have to travel back to their home country, but at least make their child aware of the culture of their home country and make him aware that he is, in a sense, quite lucky in having two countries and two cultures that he can call his own or her own and that he can learn and um, try to bring out the best factors of both cultures in his or her own life. So the key is they have to be, oh, you want your child to feel good about him or herself. They come, well, in your case, you adopted your son from Colombia. Um, and be and accept that they come from that they have all of this sort of good stuff that they get from both countries and really both sets of parents. Um, is there uh, now you adopted your son when he was five? So is there a difference if you're adopting a five months old? The difference between adopting a five months old and a five year old? Well, clearly a five year old would be aware that he's from somewhere else whereas a five-month-old may not at all carry any of the memories, doesn't carry any of the memories of that previous life. But it doesn't really matter. In either case, as far as I'm concerned, in either case, adoptions should be a subject discussed between the parents and the child. And the circumstances, as best the adoptive parents know them, can be shared. I know it's a difficult subject for some parents, and that is what my book is designed to help them with, to give them a platform that they can read to their child, very young child, and keep reading to them over time until they are sure their child understands the process and also understands that, that the child is a wanted child. Uh, my book is also unique among books for children on adoption in talking about the biological mother and the way she reaches her decision to uh, let her child be adopted, and that it's a decision made out of love. Because the burning question so many adopted children have is, why didn't my mommy want me? And so we have to, we as adoptive parents, have to try to help the child understand it was done out of love and that their biological mother wanted the best for them. Yeah, now we're talking obviously about young children, but having friends uh, and and family who have adopted, who have actually been adopted from foreign countries, sometimes that isn't the case. The mother didn't, because they've gone back and researched it as adults, and that the mother maybe did it out of desperation or did it out of you know, the, you know, for, for other reasons, not necessarily that the, or the baby was taken away from her. So those are, I'm adding a couple other scenarios, um, which is different than, yeah, your mom, when your mother wanted the very best for you. Well, you're absolutely right. One of the foreign countries in which I served was Guatemala. And let me just caveat what I'm going to say by saying this was quite a long while ago, and no doubt conditions have changed and improved. But when I was there, my job was to follow the news closely. And regularly in the news, it was reported that a child had been stolen from its parents, sometimes stolen out of a hospital or stolen in a supermarket, or there was all kinds of scenarios. But children were being stolen. And unfortunately, at that time, there were 
horrible rumors about these children being stolen and then used for their internal organs for transplant, which was entirely untrue. But what was true was that many times these children were being stolen for foreign adoptions because the middleman, whoever the thief was, and anyone he worked with could make money out of international adoption. So unfortunate situations like that do occur. But again, the, uh, the parents didn't give their child up for any, any reason. However, their love is still standing behind that child. And many of them desperately search for their missing child, their lost child for years. Sometimes nowadays, thanks to the miracle of DNA, parents and children can reconnect. Um, and other times, of course, it's not possible, but sometimes it is. So, yes, there are other reasons or other situations in which um, a child becomes available for adoption than just the mother making a decision based on her circumstances to give the child up for adoption. Can you sort of lead us through the book and tell us you know, how you are able to accomplish what actually what we've been discussing how, in terms of making the child feel comfortable about their adoption? What do you do in the book? How do you, you take us through that, you know, just briefly? Well, I think, again, parents should start reading the book to their child as when, when they get the child adopt when they adopt the child as early as possible. In my case, it was when I started reading my child, I would basically immediately. And then repeat, read the book, reading the book on occasion until you're sure the child grasps what is being said. Now, one thing I say in my book, and I'm very sincere about this, is that my children's book is not a Bible. It's a tool. And I want parents to use it as a tool. And by that, I mean, if they're reading to a, a child who doesn't yet read, they can change everything. They can substitute their names and their child's name for the names in the book. They can substitute the name of the dog, which appears in the book, the family dog, for their own dog if they have one, or cat, or whatever. I also suggest that they take my book and just read the parts that are relevant. Some parts may not be relevant to them. They don't have to read those pages. I also suggest that they might want to just take paper and glue and paste some things into the book perhaps their own faces over the face of the adopt, uh, adopting mother, etc. Just use the book as a framework that you can walk your child through the beginning from the reason the adoptive parents decide to adopt to the reasons the adoptive the mother, the biological mother, gives up her baby and all through the process. And by the way, Catherine, talking to you, a social worker, I'm glad to say that social workers appear fairly prominently in my book because they are the important people who make an international adoption possible. Julie, what about when one child is adopted, because you are the expert, when one child is adopted, uh, a foreign adoption, and the other, let's say, one or two kids in the family are not, let's say they're biological. Yeah. I think both children or all the children should hear the story then, should be read to or should discuss this topic of adoption. You know, one interesting thing to me, I just was reviewing some reviews of my book the other day, and I read again, um, one reviewer wrote that when she got the book, she read it to her nine-year-old, or read it with her nine-year-old uh, nephew. And nine-year-old is older than I thought the book was, was aimed at. 
But she told me that it was very helpful that this child was not adopted, but he had a friend who told people he was adopted, but her nine-year-old nephew didn't understand what that meant. So in going through the book, he would ask questions and she could answer them, supplement the text as necessary and so forth. But for a nine-year-old with no adoption in his family, but an adopted friend, the book proved very useful. So I'm just saying that older children also can benefit from starting to understand what adoption is all about. Older children can understand, and as you just said, I'm really glad you brought up that point. It doesn't have to be just for families who have, and, and the kids who have been adopted from foreign countries, but all the children. It's a book for real, because as you say, they may have friends, family um, who are adopted and from foreign countries, and they don't know anything about it. I mean, I, th- I think that's that, that. I mean, that's a critical point. But also, now I was wondering, your son, what kind of questions did he ask you? Um, I mean, I know you you started talking to him in five months, but uh, I'm curious as the kinds of questions he asked you, or the kind of questions he was faced with when he was in school regarding his adoption. You know, I think every family situation is unique, and in the case of my son. Because we were moving around internationally due to my job, he really didn't have that many questions about adoption. And he's now 30 years old, and he got to spend two years in his home country. So his questions about Colombia got answered naturally. And so he didn't really ask questions. And occasionally, as he got older, I would say, do you want to try to contact your biological mother? And he never did want that. And my experience in talking with other adoptive families is that sometimes the adoptive child is not interested in contacting their biological parents, but sometimes they are. And I think that that avenue should be open if they do want to do that. So be supportive, whatever the decision is of your child, whatever they want to do. Uh, what about jealousy as a adoptive mother? Like, and your child does want to go and is to visit or to meet with, meet up with their uh, biological mother, like the feelings of, of, uh, and and I'm just, I guess I'm asking you that, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, but did you ever think about the jealousy issue uh, or being afraid that they become too attached to the biological mother? Um, yeah, there are a lot of feelings you know, I, associated. Yeah. I, I hear about that, and I think actually that happens more with domestic adoption because it's much easier to have an ongoing relationship with someone that's nearby. Let's say you adopt locally and the biological mother is in the same town. That, could, it seems to me, could be a difficult situation if the biological mother is always wanting to meet or talk to or connect with her her child. It could be difficult for the adopting mother. Foreign adoptions, I don't think it's such a problem because just the connection issue is more difficult. Although, of course, nowadays with internet, you can talk with anyone anywhere all the time, but it's just not as difficult a situation. And for, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but at least in my case, it became clear that the biological mother did not want to have contact with her son for, for whatever her reasons were. So I, I personally was never had any issues with jealousy. It was the other way around. I was so grateful to my son's biological mother 
for having the courage to go ahead and have a baby and then give him up for adoption. For me, that would have been such a difficult decision had I made it myself, had to make it myself. But I was on the receiving end of that biological mother's tough choices. And so I'm very grateful to her for the choices she did make. I had a friend who adopted, uh, her daughter adopted two children, I think one from Chile, and I forgot uh, where the other child was adopted from. But So they were adopted from two different countries, but she actually had the, had to go, the mother who was going to adopt, and the I think the father uh, adopting the kids had to go to South America and live there for two or three months. And my friend, who was the mother of the now the grandmother, um, had went with her. Uh, there was a, a requirement to actually live in country for uh, two or three months before the adoption could go through. Yes, that is or something similar is frequently the case because you have to go through the adoption process in country. That is, your friend would have to have adopted the child in Chile before she could then go and apply for the visa and get a visa to come to the United States. And that takes time. The adoption process to go before the judge, all the legal things that have to be done, and then going to the, the embassy to present yourself and your child for a visa. Now, let, let me just say, in my own case again, this goes back, so I want everyone to be clear that my case is, you might call it almost <laughs> historic now, but I first really became super aware of international adoptions when I was in Guatemala, and for the reason I mentioned, because I was looking at what I considered horror stories every day in the news, but also because a friend of a friend, um, I was asked by my friend if I could allow his friend to stay me, stay with me for a few weeks while he went through this international adoption process, and he did. And so this friend and I talked about adoption and specifically international adoption quite a bit. And I admired this family so much because the child they were adopting, first, it wasn't a baby. It was, he was an older child. But secondly, he was handicapped. So I thought, what courage to adopt a, a handicapped child? And it inspired me to start thinking about adoption as an option for myself. That is inspiring. Uh, I mean, um, those are good stories. What a, I, I now, sometimes the stories don't end up well. I'm thinking of some of the adoptions uh, from some of the Eastern European countries or Russia where families actually take the children or send them back after they've had them for a while and it's not working out uh, between the, the parents and the child. I mean, that has to be a very painful situation. I don't know how often that happens or necessary. Yeah. Right. I read about those kinds of cases mainly years ago when the USSR was still the dominant uh, superpower in, the, in Eastern Europe. And a lot of these unwanted children got put into care facilities, but they were just warehoused, basically, with little human contact because they didn't have enough nurses or caregivers. And the, the children became unable to form attachments. And the parents then who adopted those children didn't get at all the sweet and loving baby or child they were expecting, but children with a lot of emotional issues. And it hurt my heart when I would read those stories, but I know they were 
true. And I think, you know, my own opinion is that raising a child, any child, a biological child, any child, is hard work for the parents. It's not easy. Sometimes I will look at a child and his parents and I think, oh, they're so lucky. Their child is easy. But most children, at least at some stages, are not easy. And so all parents, whether adoptive or biological, have to deal with issues and have to figure out how to handle them. And certainly that was true with my son, but I remain extremely grateful and thankful that I had the opportunity to adopt my son. It wasn't easy. Nothing was easy about it, but he is a grown man now and a productive member of society, and I'm very proud of him. And not, there's nothing easy about parenting. <laughs> I just, as you say, we need to, that's absolutely true. No matter whether your child is adopted or biological, um, yeah, there are always challenges. And I guess it has to do with, uh, we just have to have those kinds of expectations. It's not going to be easy, any kind of parenting. Um, so your book, I, I'm not backtracking really, but it says, <clears throat> The story traces the separate emotional journeys of the prospective adoptive parents from the United States and the biological mother from another country. So you want to, and those are separate emotional uh, feelings. And and so let's talk a little bit more about that, like the difference between the adoptive parents and the biological mother, because they have to deal with different issues. Catherine, let me just do a little digression here. My book is unique in a number of ways. And one of the ways is there, most books on adoption are for the parents, not for the child. That's difference number one. But there are adoption books for children. Most of them, however, are based on animal characters. For example, a mama bear might adopt a chicken, something like that. They're cute and they're sweet little books, but they're not the kind of book that I wanted to have to read to my son. And the third thing that makes it different is most of those sweet little adoption books only talk about the adopting mother and the adopted child. They don't talk about everybody else in the process, such as the biological mother or the social worker or the consul who gives the visa or the grandparents. So I wanted to show the process as a whole of adoption and how many people are involved. So, yes, in my book, I try to talk about the emotional journey of the parents and of the biological mother. Now, I laid out a scenario in my book, but again, I think the family who takes this book and uses it as their own can modify that. Maybe they already have, let's just throw something out in the air, maybe they already have four boys and they really want a girl, so they adopt a baby girl or a young girl. That's a perfect, okay, you know, it's okay with me to adopt my, adapt my book to say that they were, the parents, adopting parents were sad because they hadn't had the chance to raise a girl. That's great. You, you know, you don't have to give the reason that I give or the explanation I give in my book about why the, the adopting parents wanted to adopt. Um, it's, it's a, you know, it's so many different possible family stories but I want them to use my book to develop and to tell their own family story. So it's a jumping off point. It opens up the conversation. You have to open up the conversation. And I think in doing and, and in doing that, 
I'm assuming also, I'm trying to, you know, maybe this is the social worker question that I'm asking. I mean, you, you may have grandparents uh, who don't approve of the adoption. I mean, I, I know of cases like that, too, where, you know, the parents want to adopt a child from a foreign country, but they don't have the support of their own parents. Those are other issues. So, um, Oh, that, that's and, definitely yeah. true. I mean, my own case, my mother kept saying, why are you adopting? You have beaucoup nieces and nephews. You can just treat one of those childs as your you know, your tentative, your putative child. And I said, no, that's not what I want. I want my, I want my family, my child. But a lot of, yes, I know that in my own family. There are people who feel strongly about biological and bloodlines, and they don't necessarily want some, some other woman's child to come into their family. Um, I just disagree. I think families are who, what we make of them and who we make of them. And they come in all different sizes and shapes. And they're not all just biological bloodlines. Well, I think that's what your book is all about. And it's great. I think The book is really for, for all of us. Um, the baby with three families, two countries, and one promise, an international adoption story. And uh, I've been talking to the author, Julie Connor. Uh, Julie, can you give us... Uh, a website and or websites to go to for more information about your book or other uh, information that would be helpful to parents who are considering adopting a child uh, in in an international adoption. Sure. Thanks for giving me the chance, Catherine. My author website is julieconnorauthor.com. And Connor is C-O-N-N-O-R. So julieconnorauthor.com. You can also go to my publishing section, or my publishing firm um, website, which is BayouCityPress.com. I live here in Houston, and our nickname is the Bayou City, so I have BayouCityPress.com. And, of course, my book is available on Amazon or, Ingham's, or through your local bookstore, wherever you can get it, Barnes & Noble, it can be ordered for you. Um, and... You know, I just want to add one little factoid. I probably would have never written this book except for COVID. I was in lockdown and unable to travel to write the book I thought I was going to write as my next book. And it occurred to me, I wonder if there's a good book on adoption yet. And I did some research, and there still wasn't the kind of book I had wanted to have to read to my son. So I'm glad you mentioned that. You know why? Because I've had several authors like yourself uh, admit to the same thing. If it hadn't been for COVID, I wouldn't have written this book. So I'm glad you shared that with us. I would have written that us. book, but not this book. This not that <laughs> book. Yeah, right. Anyway, thanks for really thanks so much for being on the show today because that's a lot of really good information for my listeners. Thank you. No, thank you, Catherine, and thanks to your audience. And I hope this has been useful and yes. makes some people think about adoption a bit. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 